Hello, and welcome to Morning Prayer at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Edison, New Jersey. I thank God that we're able to be together starting our day in prayer. This is Wednesday, and we're in the fourth week of the Easter season. Easter is not just one day, but it is a season made up of a week of weeks. This week, we continue our reading of the Acts of the Apostles, and today we witness what has been a brewing conflict in the early church, something that's been bubbling up for a while, finally erupt out into the open. How will the apostles resolve the question of what it means to include Gentiles among God's faithful people? How will the Holy Spirit uh, both stir things up and then also bring resolution to allow God's people to move forward? Please feel free to send me an email with any stories or insights or questions that might uh, come to you this week. You can send them to me at pastorjim2006 at icloud.com. And now we begin our time of prayer in silence. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, O God that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Praise to the blessed and holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God who gives life, salvation, and resurrection. Alleluia. The Son of Righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. O come, let us worship and praise. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving, and raise a loud shout to the Lord with psalms. For you, Lord, are a great God, and a great ruler above all gods. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. In your hand are the caverns of the earth. The heights of the hills are also yours. The sea is yours, for you made it, and your hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For the Lord is our God, and we are the people of God's pasture and the sheep of God's hand. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. You have been born anew through the abiding word of God. A reading from Acts chapter 15. Some people came from Judea to Antioch and on arrival began to teach the Christians that they could not be saved unless they were circumcised according to the custom of Moses. This caused a considerable uproar and dispute between them and Paul and Barnabas, and the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas and some others from their fellowship to the apostles and elders in Jerusalem to try to sort out the problem. So they were sent off by the church. They traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, telling people as they went about the conversion of the Gentiles. They brought great joy to the Christian communities. When they arrived in Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church, the apostles and the elders, and they told them all the things that God had done with them. But some believers from the party of the Pharisees stood up. They must be circumcised, they said and you must tell them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders gathered together to see what to do about this matter. After considerable argument, Peter got up. My brothers, he said, 
You know that from our early days together God chose that it should be from my mouth that the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore them witness by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, but he purified their hearts through faith. So now, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the disciples' neck, which neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? Rather, we believe that it is by grace of our Lord Jesus that we should be saved, just like them. The whole company was silent listening to Barnabas and Paul describe the signs and wonders which God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they had finished, James replied, My dear brothers, he said, listen to me. Simeon has explained how at the beginning God graciously favored the Gentiles to take from them a people from his own name. This indeed is in accordance with the words of the prophets which say, After this I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has collapsed. I will build the ruins again and set them straight, so that the rest of the human race may seek the Lord, and all the nations upon whom my name has been called. Thus says the Lord, who has made these things known from of old. Therefore, this is my judgment. We should not cause extra difficulties for those of the Gentiles who have turned to God. Rather, we should send them a message warning them to keep away from the things that have been polluted by idols, from fornication, from what had been strangled, and from blood. Moses, after all, as from ancient times had a proclaiming him from city to city, since he is read in the synagogue Sabbath after Sabbath. Then the apostles and elders, with the whole assembly, decided to send people from their number, Judas, Barsabbas, and Silas, men well thought of by the Christian community, to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent a letter with them which reads as follows. The apostles and elders send greetings to our Gentile brothers and sisters in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Since we have heard that some of our number, not, however, sent by us, have been saying things which have troubled you, causing distress of your heart, We resolved unanimously that it would be best to send to you men whom we have chosen, together with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, who have risked their lives for the name of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, so that that we have sent Judas and Silas, and they will tell you these same things face to face. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to lay any burden on you beyond the following necessary things, that you should abstain from what was sacrificed to idols, from blood, from what had been strangled, and from fornication. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. So they went off and they came to Antioch, where they gathered the people together and presented the letter. When they read it, they were delighted with the message that it contained. Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, said a good deal to encourage the brothers and sisters, and they gave them strength. When they had spent some time there, they left the family in peace and returned to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas stayed on in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord, with many others as well. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit the brothers and sisters in all the various cities where we had preached the word of God and see how they were doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, along with them. But Paul reckoned that it was not a good idea to take with them someone who had left them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them 
to the rest of the work. There was a huge row, and which resulted in them splitting up. Barnabas took Mark and sailed off for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and went off, having been commended by the church to the grace of the Lord. They went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So how do you deal with conflict? Some people avoid it. Others welcome it. And it seems like there are a small number of people who actually go out looking for it. I would venture most of the people, most of the time, find conflict to be something uncomfortable, something they would like to avoid, and certainly a source of all kinds of pain and suffering. Conflict in the church can be especially bitter and painful. Many of us carry around with us still emotional scars of church conflicts that happened years ago. And yet at the same time, conflict need not be any of those things. It can be a time when new life and new growth seek the wisdom and clarity that's needed to understand what's actually happening around us and what it means for our lives going forward. In some ways, it can work to bring us together or at least strengthen us. The various ways we respond to the big questions of faith and life often set us at odds with each other. But it is the search for a resolution, a peaceful search for a peaceful resolution, that leads us into a deeper understanding. Sometimes it is the Holy Spirit that's stirring things up, and it's the Holy Spirit also who brings us to a peaceful resolution. And I think that's what's going on in Acts 15. The church in Syrian Antioch seems to be an amazing vision of the coming of God's kingdom. Here, where Paul and Barnabas are prominent leaders and teachers, Faith in Christ Jesus has gathered both Jewish Jesus followers and Gentile Jesus followers into a new unity of table fellowship, a new vision of of the world together under Christ. The old dividing wall that between them seems to have been knocked down. That is until some people arrive from Jerusalem and throw the whole community into an uproar by insisting that the Gentile disciples be circumcised and follow the law of Moses. In fact, Luke tells us, that these preached that people could not be saved unless they were circumcised. The conflict becomes so serious that Paul and Barnabas and others with them go to Jerusalem to seek some kind of resolution from the apostles, prophets, and elders, something that they can take with them. There is more at stake than just a fight in Antioch, however. Since returning from their first journey, Paul and Barnabas are acutely aware of how the Holy Spirit is forming a new community out of both Jewish and Gentile faithful. So what is the message that they are supposed to communicate to these new congregations, and especially to the new converts who are Gentiles? What is the good news that they are being sent to proclaim, and how is it that God is bringing together Jewish disciples and Gentile disciples into one fellowship and one body under one Lord? What is it that unites them? Peter testifies. Paul and Barnabas testify. And then finally, James announces the decision and sends instructions from Jerusalem to Antioch and then on to other churches. James's judgment affirms what Peter, Paul, and Barnabas have witnessed and proclaimed, that salvation and forgiveness of sins come through faith in Jesus, the Messiah, purely by the grace of God. Circumcision is not required. However, in an effort to find some common ground, Gentile disciples are to demonstrate, first of all, uh, as always, a change in their lifestyle away from idolatry and into faithfulness with God through Christ, 
and then also to observe some kind of restrictions in their diet, presumably out of love for their Jewish siblings and for the sake of unity and fellowship. As far as Acts is concerned, then the matter is settled. Christ alone is the center of this community, which is a people of God made up of men and women from all nations. What unites them is faith in Christ. What unites them is the Holy Spirit. What unites them is that Christ is at the center. And yet, as so often happens in conflicts, the the resolution isn't always the end of the conflict. There are lots of details that need to be sorted out. People need to come to terms with what it is saying. And the nature of the conflict itself might actually have larger implications going forward than we had first imagined. If you get a chance today, read the first two chapters of Paul's letters to the Galatians to get a glimpse on what happened in Antioch and how that conflict then rippled out into the newly formed congregations in Asia. And by the way, Did you notice at the end that Paul and Barnabas have parted ways? They get into an argument over John Mark and whether he should come with them on their next journey after he left them on their first journey. There's probably more to the rift between Paul and Barnabas than we can see here. Just see what you find in Galatians. Is the new wine, the new wine of the gospel, it seems to be pushing the old wineskins to their bursting point. I wonder where you are noticing the fault lines in the church forming today. If you have some time, drop me an email. Let me know what kind of questions or struggles you think we need to face as a church in our time so that we can grow in our understanding of Jesus and the good news so that our questions could find a spirit-filled resolution and we can move forward in faith. In Jesus' name. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Blessed are you, Lord, the God of Israel. You have come to your people and set them free. You have raised up for us a mighty Savior born of the house of your servant David. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Through your holy prophets you promised of old to save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us to show mercy to our forebears and to remember your holy covenant. This was the oath you swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship you without fear, holy and righteous before you all the days of our life. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. In you, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way to give God's people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Mighty God of mercy, we thank you for the resurrection dawn bringing the glory of our risen Lord who makes every day new. Especially we thank you for the sustaining goodness of your creation, for the new creation in Christ and for all gifts of healing and forgiveness, for the gifts of relationship with others, and for the communion of faith in your church. For what else are we thankful 
Merciful God of might, renew this weary world. Heal the hurts of all of your children and bring about your peace for all in Christ Jesus, the living Lord. Especially this morning, we pray for those who are sick, for those who are struggling, for those who are bereaved. We pray for those who govern the nations of the world, for people in countries ravaged by strife and warfare, for all who work for international peace and harmony, and for all who strive to save the earth from carelessness and destruction, for the Church of Jesus Christ in every land, that it find resolution to its differences in you, and that we might be one Lord, one have one Lord and one people. Almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power, that we may not fall into sin nor be overcome in adversity. In all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Go forth into the world to serve God with gladness. Be of good courage, hold fast to that which is good, render to no one evil for evil, strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the afflicted, honor all people, love and serve God, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God.